Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. I just want to share a quick word that I felt like I was getting while we were worshiping. I think it was the two songs before the end we were singing, The Father's Arms Are Open Wide. And I was just reminded of, of God as our Father. So I'm Pastor Joe earlier this week that, you know, God is our Father. He's our King. Uh, scripture said He's our friend. That, you know, there's so many different relationships that we, uh, interact with God in. But one of those is fatherhood and that His arms are open. I just want to encourage you. This may be a word for, uh, fathers, mothers, just parents, maybe grandparents. Uh, maybe it's for yourself or for your children. Uh, but, but what I just wanted you to know is that your children, you, your parents, everyone has a better father than you can be. I'm thankful that my, my two children have a better father than I can be. Because I can't do it. I can't live the perfect example. I can't be the father that they need, but God can. And he is the perfect father. Tell me, Father, we, we thank you. Or that you are doing everything Everything necessary to show each person on this planet that you love them, that you care for them, that you sent your son, your only begotten son to die for them. Lord, and each and every one of us has the opportunity, the choice to respond to that love. But I thank you that you are doing everything in your power to show them how much you love and care for them. And Father, this morning, I just declare for each of us that we trust you. We trust you with our children. We trust you with our grandchildren. We trust you with our parents. Lord, with every loved one that we have, we trust you. Lord, and we will participate in any way that you call us in that work, but we know that you are the one that, that is showing them the perfect father, the perfect friend, the perfect Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I have one uh, quick announcement before Pastor Gerald comes up to share the word this morning. Uh, it seems like just yesterday, but um, Candy and I and our two girls in no, August of this year will be uh, in Lampasas for eight years. Time is time flies by when you're having fun, doesn't it? Yeah. And three of those years through uh, September of 2015, I was operating in the role of executive pastor. And then in um, 2015, uh, Pastor Daryl, no, I'm sorry, 2018, I <laughs> said that wrong in the first service too. Uh, in 2018, Pastor Daryl and I uh, traded places and I became the senior pastor. So in September, I'll be the senior pastor for five years. Um, and during that time, I continued to operate in the role of executive pastor in as it w- related to overseeing our daycare and the administration of the church. Uh, many of you may know uh, we have Heritage Daycare that right now has uh, 60 plus children, uh, operates five days a week from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Amen. Yeah. And we honestly, we see that as a ministry to the community and, and believe that it's supposed to be so much more than it already is. Um, and with that being said, um, this past Monday, uh, Jeff Crawford, he's right here. Wait, 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 Jeff. If you don't know, he and his wife, Lauren. They've been coming to the church for a few years, and they have three children, uh, Bryn, Hadley, and Case. They're a beautiful, awesome family. Uh, but he accepted the role of administrative pastor. 
And so he is going to be taking on uh, the direct role of overseeing our daycare director and those operations and also uh, the administration of the church. And that is going uh, to finally free me out of that role. Um, I can focus on uh, being the senior pastor and overseeing our executive team of pastors uh, who are fantastic. God has done so much uh, in the last eight years, and we know that he is in, actually, I'm sorry, the last 30 plus years um, I did this uh, as has very little to do with myself, or as Pastor Darrell would say, even himself. This is a work that God is doing that we get to participate in. And each and every one of you participate in it with us. And we are so thankful for that. So we are very excited to see what God has in store for us uh, as we go forward. But uh, Oh, and uh, Jeff will be... Um, Speaking at the Wednesday night life group in Common Grounds at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to get a chance to, to meet him and hear a little bit of what he has to share. Love, as Pastor Josh said in last service, just pack it out. Uh, you can pack out. It wouldn't take too many to pack out Common Grounds, but we would love for you all to join us there at 6.30 p.m. this Wednesday. Uh, would you join me in welcoming Pastor Darrell as he gives us the word this morning? Good morning, Holy Spirit. Amen. We're glad you're here. Would you say that with me? Good morning, Holy Spirit. We're glad you're here. You know, for many years, that would have felt weird to me in church. Uh, I was raised to fear God and trust Jesus. But never had much conscious interaction or instruction concerning the Holy Spirit. And as I grew... And especially after I trusted Christ, I wanted God's presence and I I wanted to know Him. I wanted to be right with Him. I wanted to be everything to be okay. You see, I trusted Jesus, but in the early days it was just about forgiveness and going to heaven when I died. It took years for me to come to understand and even be introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit. I grew up in church and, and I caught it. I'm not sure they taught it, but I caught it that the Holy Spirit was for those weird churches. It wasn't for us because we knew better. Uh, And honestly, we should, uh, I was, I call it, we should be careful. Most of that meant fearful of talking about the Holy Spirit because things might happen. And because of that, I, it took until I was a young adult and getting into the Word myself before I came to appreciate and worship and respond to the Holy Spirit and His ministry in my life. And not only did I not understand the Holy Spirit, but in, in the younger days, and though I was raised in church my whole life, uh, I didn't understand the church, the purpose of the church. Contrary to what many people think, even today, the true church of Jesus Christ is not just a visible human organization run by numerous denominations by a hierarchy of officials. Or is it a social agency to meet the needs and the demands of of our community and in the world, or simply it's not just a place where you can be baptized and married and buried. And it's not a religious social club where like-minded beliefs and standards, people gather together for fellowship and occasional service activities. The Church of Jesus Christ, as described and defined in the New Testament, is a living organism. A spiritual body of Christ on earth today to fulfill God's plans and purposes in our time. It's not just about going to heaven. But bringing bringing the reality of the king and the kingdom to the earth that we live upon. 
Jesus is head of the church. Those who receive and follow him make up the members of the body. And as I was studying that, Jesus being the head of the church, here's the thought that came to me, and I believe it was of the Lord. Jesus is the head of the church, but the Holy Spirit is the nervous system. He's the administrator. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the body work, function, alive. He's the central nervous system that signals, enables, and gifts every member of that body, the church, so that we will fulfill our purpose here and now in our time. In fact, if you want to quote Jesus, Jesus said this in John sixteen seven. He said, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And in verse 14, he says, He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the church of Jesus Christ. Specifically, the charismata. Charismata. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Which are absolutely essential for the body of Christ to carry out our kingdom purpose in our time, in our world. So I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now I know you've already read this because Pastor Chris told us last week to read past 1 Corinthians 12. And you always do what your pastor asks you to do. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But... This week and over the next few weeks, I hope you will read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. As we look into the charismata, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard this morning because, and it'll be on the screen, but because it says something that only this translation says, which is in the original. And you'll know more about it in just a moment. But look at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there's varieties of ministries, but the same, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one, each one of you, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good or the profit of all. If there's one thing... That the enemy of your soul wants to do is to keep the church confused about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people and in his church. There's more opposition, more confusion, more division over the gifts of the Spirit than probably any other thing in churches these days. Paul says, now concerning the spirituals, literally is what he said, concerning the spirituals. The pneumaticon, the spirituals, the gifts is in italics in your, in your translations because gifts is just trying to give an explanation. It's not in the original language. Pneumaticon is in the Greek. 
Nematicon, the spiritual matters, concerning spiritual matters. You see, the Corinthians had written Paul a letter and said, we've got some questions. And one of the questions is, what about the Holy Spirit and His gifts and what's going on in the, in the church? And so Paul writes 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 as a uh, guidelines and instructions concerning. He says, I don't want you to be unaware of the spirituals, the spiritual matters, the spiritual things. Those, uh, those who call themselves spirituals, those, those who are enlightened, influenced, graced, gifted by the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to be unaware. That word unaware means to be uninformed. Let me give you a real good Texas definition of this Greek word. Don't be ignorant of the spiritual things. Don't be ignorant. Don't fail to, don't, don't be failure to recognize. Don't be unaware of what, what's going on. When you were pagans, you were continually being led astray. And that word led astray has an idea that it, there was a power behind it. There was a force. Literally, you were in captivity. And it wasn't that you got into those places by persuasion. You got into those places by the powers of the wrong spirit. Listen to me. The powers of the wrong spirit are at work in our world today. They have been for all along. There is a destruction spirit that's at work in our society, in our culture today. A destroying spirit. And, and people are being caught captive and led and just, they just follow it. And Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 12, but in 1 Corinthians 12, that's not who you are anymore. You once were that, and you were held captive by that, but Jesus has set you free. Now, concerning the spiritual things, now, now where you are, He says, I want you to be sure to know. I'm I'm saying unto you, I make known to you, no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. No one, the little word is called, will, will say Jesus anathema. Jesus be condemned. Jesus be damned. Nobody, by the Spirit of God, would say such a thing. Let me put my texts on it. Nobody also would use the name of Jesus to curse curse others. And then he says this, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to come back to this later. But look at verse 4 again. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. The word gifts here is charismata. That's our theme for this next few weeks. The charismata. Charis, grace. Mata, gifts or bestowments or allotments. Gifts. Gifts are the result of grace. Now listen to me. You don't, you, you don't merit, you don't earn gifts. Gifts are a result of grace. God's Beauty and favor and love and displacement to you. His his willingness to be something to you that you don't deserve. But not only do you not deserve it, you wasn't even looking for it, nor were you meriting it in any way. The charismata. These gifts are each representative of a divine enablement of believers to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and the good of the profit of all. In verse 4, and and I'm going to keep reading this time, there's two words that's mentioned in every one of these verses. That's why I'm reading out the New American Standard. Your version will say something. There's uh, differences, there's uh, 
diversities. There's, but here's the word in Greek is actually the same verse word. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, diakona. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, Jesus. There are varieties of effects or operations or workings or powers, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And the persons is in italics, which means, says literally, Paul is saying, which work, God works all in all. Two words here. Varieties and same. Varieties and same. And there's a very specific reason Paul chooses these words. Varieties is the Greek word diuresis. Diuresis. It means to divide or distribute. It's talking about give uh, apportionments or lot allotments. It's it's distributions. Same is hoatas. Hoatas. Atas means self. Basically, it just means self. But when you put the in the definite participle in front of it, hoatas, it means the same self. The same. In other words, there's a variety of gifts, there's allotments of gifts, but the same Spirit Himself. There's allotments of ministries, but the same Lord Jesus Himself. There's allotments of effects, but the same God the Father Himself. The whole Godhead is represented in the ministry of the gifts and callings. The Spirit Himself, the Lord Himself, God Himself. It sets the person apart from everything else. The most important thing about these verses is who gives the gifts. The Spirit, the Lord Jesus, God the Father. Well, what's Paul saying? Look at verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit of the common good. We're not going to talk about all of that right now. But here, every one, each one, every member has been graced with the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit and allotted, apportioned, unique giftings to function in the body of Christ for the purposes and the effects for the glory of God and the profit of all. Every one, each one. Has been gifted. Now listen to me. Gifts are not talents. God may pour out something on your talent, but gifts are not talents. Uh, you, gifts are not something you can you can uh, earn. Gifts are not something that you you can develop. Now you can develop. You can allow the Holy Spirit to develop you in your gift, but the gift itself is a gift. It's by grace. It's not something you can learn. It's not something you can take a test and find out. It's a gift. It's a, it's a bestowment of God by His Spirit upon your life. It is literally the Holy Spirit coming to do and be something in and upon you that you, were no, you have no right to say, that was mine. All right. Everybody, gifts are something we receive. They're not determined by our preferences, our inclinations, our natural abilities, our merit, or any other personal consideration. But solely by the sovereign spirit choice. Gracious choice. He didn't have to. We are gifted according to His plan for His purpose and according to His measure. 
We each have a gift that is measured out to us with certain distinct capabilities, parameters, and purposes. The gifts of the Spirit are like fingerprints. Every one of us have a different fingerprint. Each one is completely distinct from all others. The gifted are not assembly line productions. With everyone being exactly like everybody else. We are not interchangeable parts in Christ's body. Why is this important? It says we are individually members of one another in Romans 12, 5. God has not called or gifted another Christian exactly the same way or for exactly the same work as He's gifted you. That's why no Christian can be a spectator in this life. You have a calling and a gift given sovereignly by the Spirit of God. And yours is absolutely unique and measured out to you by God for the purpose of His glory and for the profit of all. You say, why is this important? Because many of us in the church today have become attenders, spectators. God never intended us to be sitting back looking and saying, did He do good or not? God intends us to be an active participant in what He's doing in the world today. And it is His love and His grace that allows you to be a part of that. But there's another word here, that, or another way of looking at this variety. It's because most of the time, as I was studied this out, I would see diversities and differences and, and uh, varieties as saying they're just different kinds. They're different kinds. But the word literally here for varieties means to divide. And let me tell you, right here is the problem most of us have with the gifts of the Spirit. Because, you see, I, I want a certain gift. How about you? I want to prophesy. I want to do this. And I want to do that. I, you see, God, God sovereignly gives them by the Holy Spirit. Well, God, God made me a toe. But I don't want to be a toe. I want to be an eye. God... Give me vision. Give me eye. I just want to, I want to be an eye. I want to see what you're doing. I, God, God says, no, I made you a toe. I want you to be a part of the foundation of what I'm doing in the world today. God, I, I refuse to be a toe. I want to be an eye. God says, okay. I'll give you vision, but all you're going to see is the inside of a sock. Because you're going to be placed where God placed you. You're going to be doing what God's got, He wants you to do. You've got to understand it's God's gifting. It's what He has purposed, what He's planned. You've got to understand the whole thing about gifts is who the giver is. And it's His purposes and His plan. And here's the good thing. He's the same. There's a variety. There's, and here's the part about variety. The word same is used in verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as His will. The focus of the gifts must be on the giver. The varieties. The varieties here. In other words, they are given out, but they're not given out evenly. They're not given out the same. We don't have the same gift. We don't have the same measures of gift. Ours is absolutely unique. And listen to me. This is why it causes so much division. Because God gives because He knows what's best. 
And so He may not give you what He gave somebody else. And you look at them and you say, you know, God, they're not living this way. They're not doing that. And and God, why did you gift them with that? God, I would be much better at that than they are. The other thing would be people have a ministry. The Holy Spirit, Jesus leads them into ministry and and they have ministry and service. And, and, you know, you do service and you work your fingers with a bowl and you do everything God's told you to do and stuff. And and it just seems like there's no effect. Somebody else over here that doesn't live it, doesn't look like it, doesn't doesn't pray, he doesn't ask what, and yet he does this service and God just pours out the effects. And you know what we say? God, that's not fair. Okay, I'm going to go totally against what's being taught today. The woke mentality. God is not into equity. Everybody having the same amount, the same thing. God's into sovereignty. He's going to do it exactly the way He said He would do it. And it's for His glory and for your good. I remember a time as I was a young pastor and I just started to pastor and preach and, and I had these goals of, you know, once God calls you to do something, you just, I don't want to be little, I want to be big. How many of you want to be big in the kingdom? I want to be big. And so I kept talking to God and I was, actually I was whining and I had the spiritual gift of complaining. And it wasn't from God's spirit. And I was telling God, God, I want to, God, I want to, you know, I had First Baptist Church Dallas on my schedule. You know, I, I wanted to, you know, I was going somewhere. And I was going to help God out. And I remember a time, very specific, because it's still in my heart. The Lord said to me, and I really believe it was the Lord. He said, Daryl, would it be okay with you, since you're high on my list? Would it be okay with you? If the reason you were created, and the reason you were brought into being, and the reason I have for you to live, and to preach, is you're going to say one word to one person. And God will change the world with them. Would that be okay with you? If your whole reason for existing is to say one word to one person. Kind of shoot your ego down. Until you heard what he said. One word to one person that will change the world. What's my real goal? I want to see God change the world. So every time I get up and preach, I wonder, are you the one? The one person that's going to receive the one word... That God wants to use you to change the world. Are you the one? Is this the word? And suddenly, instead of wanting to preach in big places, I wanted to find the one that I could speak the one word that God would change the world. It's not about place. It's about position and allotment for the purposes of God for His glory for the profit of all. The varieties is God doesn't give everybody. He gives some people more than you. He gives you more than some others. He gives you less than others. And other people get more kudos and you get more complaints. Am I willing to let God be God and be the author and the finisher of the gifting He's given me to play the part I'm supposed to play in this world for my lifetime? Gifts, charismata, grace, bestowment for the purposes of God. You see, most of the time, if we're not careful, we'll make the gifts about us. God doesn't give you a gift so people will look at you. 
God gives you a gift so people can see Jesus. It's not about pumping you up and making you somebody. It's about making much of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. The same spirit. You see, the focus has to be on the giver. James 1.17 says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Listen, everything God does is wrapped around who He is. He loves you with an impeccable character. He chose you out of sin to be His son and daughter in order to be His display in this world for His kingdom. You can't, don't approach any kind of study on the gifts of God unless you keep God the focus that you are here by the grace of God. It was He who opened your eyes to see your sin. It was He who gave His Son for your salvation. It was He who birthed you into His kingdom. It is He who has chosen to use you and allow you to be a part of what He's up to. His great love. He hasn't changed His plan one iota. What He began in the Beginning, He's going to finish in the end. And He's just inviting you to be a part of it. Inviting you to be a part of it. And nobody can replace you. Nobody. You are uniquely positioned, placed, measured out exactly what God intends for you to have. To be what He's called you to be. To do what He's purposed to do. Amen. So what am I saying? Gifts are not for competition but for the completion of the plan of God. For the glory and the good. We each have differing gifts, ministries, effects. But this was never meant to divide or produce jealousy, but to bring harmony. Because here's the thing I know. I don't have everything God wants for this body. He's got all of you for that. And every one of us fitting in the place to this. And when I'm talking about this body, I'm not talking about in this building on this day. I'm talking about in this community and the the influence that you have in your world. You have the gift of God to be who God called you to be in your workplace, in your family, in in every place that He puts you. And the places you hadn't even discovered yet that you'll let Him lead you into. You'll be fully equipped to do what God intends Him for, for you to do. If you really understand the, the giver, two attitudes will be un- eliminated. You won't live in self-depreciation. In other words, I, you know, I'm not gifted. I don't count. I don't have anything. I, I don't count. I don't know enough of Scripture. I don't count. Uh, because I'm not what everybody else is, I don't count. There's no self-depreciation. You have exactly what God wants you to have. And if you'll trust Him, He'll develop it. Self-depreciation is eliminated when you understand God's the giver of gifts. Self-sufficiency is the other extreme. I've got a gift. I don't need you. I'm gifted. I don't have to have all this. I can do anything. God's gifted me. I'm important. And because I've had this gift, because God's called me and God's God positioned me, I don't need, I don't need all this mess. I'll be who God called me to be. Self-sufficiency. If you really understand the giver, God will take you out quicker by being self-sufficient than He'll ever take you out for being insufficient. 
God loves to use insufficient people so he can be their sufficiency. When the gifts are being ministered and when the effects are there and they are God effects, it causes the body to come together to be built up and to be unified. I guarantee you, when the world starts to see Jesus in the church, it will be to the measure of how you and I have surrendered to Christ and His unchanging love and grace and kingdom and our gifts will build and unify and edify one another. Every part of the body is necessary. So let's go back to verse 3. The ending of verse 3. The words. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now I've quoted that and said all those things. But listen to me. When I studied it out in the original language. The word can. Is the ability. It's the Greek word there is the root word dunamis. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in power. No one has the power to say Jesus is Lord, but by means of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can say he's Lord. Let me look at at the amplified version. No one can really say Jesus is my Lord except by and under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord and mean it except by the Holy Spirit. So that each of these verses, verses 7 and 11, are those who are changed by the Holy Spirit, that they say it and mean it and live it. Jesus is my Lord. He runs my life. He's my master. He's the boss of all that I am and do and say. It's by His love. It's by His mercy. It's by His grace. It's by His victory on the cross that I am in Him and He is in me. And when I blow it, and when I fail, and when I fall, and I I don't come through, I don't run away from Him, I run to Him. He's my reason. He's my essence. He's my joy. For living. Jesus is Lord because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in revealing Him and loving me and present with me. Is Jesus your Lord? I'm not asking you to call Him Lord. You see, Matthew 7, Jesus said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Those look like gifts, don't they? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. How could you practice the gifts and practice lawlessness? Because you don't submit to the Lord. You've got a ministry of casting out demons. Jesus doesn't have anything to do with it. You've got a, a service of helping and, and doing all those things. But it's not about Jesus. It's about you. And it's about the work. The essence of the gifts is the ownership of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's here. You, you invited Him. You, you, you welcomed Him. Do you sense His presence? Some of you, for the first time in your life, you're hearing that God's got something for you. 
Will you receive the Holy Spirit this morning? You see, it's he who opens your eyes spiritually. He's the one who convicts you of sin and convinces you. He convinces you that the evil one has been defeated on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he's the one that just rolls back the curtain and lets you see Jesus for who he is. Would you receive him? Would you allow him to be the nervous system to give the orders in your life? Just as we witness the baptism in water. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to plunge us under again into the fullness of who He is and raise us up gifted and empowered and enabled to do exactly what He wants us to do for the rest of our lives. Let's be baptized afresh by His Spirit. Let's let Him fill us and overflow us. And we have the opportunity to do that today. I want you to stand together with me. I'm going to invite the altar team to come. And in a moment, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to baptize us, to fill us, to empower us. Would you get in a position of whatever that would be for you to receive? You know what it's like around Christmas time? How many of y'all have a Christmas where they make you sit down and get in a row? And they pass out gifts one at a time and want to make sure everybody gets one. Make sure you all get the same amount. You know, I want to tell you, i got a feeling that when the Holy Spirit wants to do something, He'll do it all at once for His glory, for everything He's wanting to do. Would you just get in a position to receive the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we acknowledge You. We acknowledge Your presence. We receive Your grace Baptize us. Come upon us. Transform us. Gift us by God's grace through Jesus Christ. Let your gifts be dispersed as we focus on you, the giver. Manifest the love and the reality of Jesus Christ in and through us. And do it now. Invite in any way you have. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit came with the laying on of hands. There's a ministry team that's available here. If you want someone to be a connection point for you to receive the Holy Spirit, we're going to invite you to respond. As, as Brandon sings, we're going to invite you, whatever that is, but whatever, however you could ask, ask the Holy Spirit to fall upon you, to call upon you. Maybe you don't know Jesus is Lord. Maybe the Holy Spirit's first thing is, is you've got to make Jesus Lord. Then receive it and do it. So as Brandon sings, we give you opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. God, my God, I need you now, how I need you now, 
different ways the Holy Spirit can move in and upon your life. Will you just acknowledge Him and allow Him His choice and He's the same today as He was in the days of the apostles? You want to walk in the love and the grace and the power of Christ? It's by means of the Holy Spirit. Leave here trusting Him. Father, we honor you, we bless you, we thank you for your word, we thank you for life in the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you to teach us and show us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 